official podcast of Fender Bender Magazine, helping collision repair shop owners make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Fender Bender editor Todd Kortemeyer. In this episode, I'm joined by the owner of our 2023 Best Workplaces winner in the large shop category, Dave Dunn of Dave's Auto Body in Galesburg, Illinois. Dave and I go more in-depth on why his shop was chosen as a best workplace and how he's been able to build a successful business as well as a collision repair management education facility. And now, here's our conversation. Start out with, uh, if you want to just maybe give us a little bit of um, you know background on um, how you got started in the business and, you know, how you have uh, managed to run a the kind of business that we uh, chose for best workplace this year? Well, like a lot of people, collision repair wasn't really a, a focus of mine when I was a kid, but um, just sort of stumbled into it. I left high school early and had an opportunity to go to work at a little small body shop that uh, just did kind of the standard bump and grind things of the day. That was many years ago. Um, enjoyed it, but the business aspect of it, it was kind of a dirty and dark and not a particularly friendly work environment. And I decided by the time I was 19, I thought maybe I could do a little better job myself. So I went and opened a, a small shop that didn't focus mostly on paint jobs over in a little town called Knoxville, Illinois, and, uh, you know, painted cars and did small collisions for about a year. And I was pretty fortunate. There was a Lincoln Mercury dealer locally that was rather famous for their level of service that had had struggled greatly in their uh, body shop department and the fixed op manager came over one day to my little body shop over in knoxville and uh, introduced himself and asked if i would be interested in uh, going to work for them and running their body shop so now i was 20 years old Uh, and kind of jokingly at the time i'm standing there uh, knowing I'm working myself to death and not really making any money and learning all the time, but uh, I, realizing I had a lot to learn, I turned around and pointed at the little shop and I said, what, leave all this? Well, that was kind of like my big break in life because I had an opportunity then to go to work for a dealership that uh, had a great reputation. Uh, there was a certain amount of mentoring that took place for me, you know, teaching me how to lead, teaching me how to treat customers and uh, working on new cars, not just a bunch of old rusty junkers that I'd been working on prior to that. So that was like a marriage made in heaven. I was happy. I felt like the most successful person in my family. And then uh, about two and a half years after that, so now I'm 22, that shop physically caught on fire and burned down. I was across town picking up some paint as it happened to be and came back and I saw a bunch of smoke and fire trucks everywhere and that somebody had been taking a gas tank out of an old Jeep and it uh, caught on fire somehow. Anyway, burned the place down. So I stayed with the dealership for a few months. They wanted me to either work on the service desk, sell cars. They liked me. I liked them. But there was a building that I'm happened to be in right now out on Grand Avenue in Galesburg that came up for rent. And so uh, I said, you know, I want to go back into the business myself after I'd learned a lot. And I came out to right where Dave's Auto Body is today, uh, 47, a little over 47 years ago, and uh, paid $500 a month rent and started fixing cars. And within a, a couple of years, I had eight people working for me. And uh, I guess, as they like to say, the rest is history. It, it worked out pretty well. <laughs> for sure. 
Um, so, you know, you had a pretty quick uh, rise to um, building the business that you did. You know, what do you think were sort of your keys to success? What are some of the lessons that you took in those, you know, early jobs that really allowed you to kind of build the business, you know, so quickly? Lots of lessons. I, I would say if you go back to the very first, that little dingy, dark body shop that I referred to when I was 16, um, it was, uh, you know, they hire you to, they say they're going to train you to be a body man, but actually there was very little training. It was mostly just practical jokes. You do all the grunt work. Uh, I didn't feel like it was a particularly great environment to work in. And I think there was a valuable lesson there. I kind of vowed to myself, if I'm ever in a position to be in control, I'm not going to treat the newbies this way. If I say I'm going to train somebody, I'm going to train somebody because like many people in my generation, we sort of learned it through the school of hard knocks and, you know, busted our knuckles and made mistakes and fixed our mistakes. So that was certainly one. Uh, the other thing was getting the break at the age of 20 to run a dealership body shop. Uh, and it was a small shop. We only had four employees, so it wasn't a huge organization. But uh, working around people that really knew how to behave, uh, knew how to treat the customer. They had a famous reputation. Back in those days, the story was you, you, People didn't hardly ever ask the price of the car. They just knew they wanted to get their car at Galesburg Lincoln Mercury because they had this fabulous reputation for service. And uh, they really taught me the value of good service and taking great care of the customer and respect for your employees. So that was wonderful. And then when I got started in my own business, then after the fire and started out again, I just sort of duplicated what I could of that previous work environment. And uh, I realized that if I was going to be successful, I would I probably needed to train people as opposed to trying to hire people who already had bad habits. Because uh, a few years later, I read a book by Ken Blanchard called The One Minute Manager, and they made it pretty clear in there that uh, if you're smart, you'll hire character and you will teach skills. And I think a good deal of the time in collision repair, we have chased the skills and we haven't paid enough attention to the character. And it's very difficult when somebody comes to work in your organization to remake their character. But our skills are, are teachable. They're learnable. And I feel like that's probably was the thing that I got maybe ahead of many of my competitors at the time that helped me to develop an organization where I was able to more or less semi-retire before the age of 30. You touched on the you know the training aspect, and you know it seems like that's obviously a huge priority for um, not only employees at your shop, but also you as you know a person involved in the the educational aspect of collision repair. You know why is that so important? Is that something that you know you got kind of from your background and wanting to you know educate you know people on you know being a well-rounded collision repair professional, and you know why is that so important to you? Well, you know, again, I might have necessity is probably the mother of invention in that particular case. And I think many people are seeing that today. You see a lot of dialogue in our body shop sites and management sites that people follow like myself. And uh, the big complaint is that it's difficult to hire help. But I want to go back. If you go back 40 years and I, you know, I start going to national meetings like the very first NACE and those kind of organizational get togethers. And I remember the topic for conversation then, 40 years ago, was there's not enough new young people coming into the industry. And everybody had these statistics on the average age of a body man. And uh, that has been kind of a meme that we've decided to accept as an industry. 
And I just felt like, well, there's got to be a better way around it. Let's look for the people other people aren't looking for and train them ourselves. So again, necessity is perhaps the mother of, of that particular invention. Not that I invented the concept, but I certainly grabbed onto it and um, continued. Then after I was in my 30s and didn't have to work at my body shop every day, my phone started to ring and people would call and say, hey, you know, you're a young guy and you're capable of only being at your shop some of the time operating as an absentee owner. And I'm 50 years old and I'm working 60 or 70 hours a week. Come and show me what you do. And they started paying me and calling me a consultant. I thought, okay, I'll do that for a while. So I did that throughout my 30s, and I could see this vast need that just continued to repeat no matter what market I was in, whether it was in uh, Europe or whether I was in Asia or whether I was in Canada, United States, pretty Australia, all the places that I was able to do consulting. And it was a common theme that they had difficulty hiring people. So this training thing really became kind of a mission that I have been on now for the last quite a, quite a number of years, 30 plus years. Um, I want to ask you about uh, something you mentioned in the piece about how, you know, obviously your shop doesn't have much turnover, but um, you know, you mentioned how you're kind of always, you know, recruiting, you know, always kind of keeping an eye out for, you know, the next wave of talent, you know, how is that? Um, Cause that's obviously something that a lot of shop owners are, are trying to do is, you know, recruit technicians, you know, how, how do you approach that? And, you know, what does that look like? Well, we don't really run ads like, you know, the, the traditional body shop ad you see in some print thing or on some media where it's like body man wanted must have own tools, you know, two years in, uh, experience required. You know, it, we don't think that works. That's the same thing everybody else does. A number of years ago, I stumbled into one of my consulting clients and he had a recruiting brochure on his front desk and I asked him about it and I went home and I developed my own recruiting brochure started going around to like high school job fairs and uh, college job fairs and realized that a lot of big companies were recruiting people years before they were even qualified to work for them. A perfect example was at uh, some event I was at State Farm was recruiting high school kids, even though the positions they were recruiting required a bachelor's degree. So in other words, these people were a minimum of four years away from even being qualified to work at State Farm, but they were planting the seed that this is a career choice you may want to consider in the future. So we've developed a recruiting brochure that we use, and, I, and I'm not talking about an advertising brochure that talks about why your shop's widgets and gadgets are the best and why people should get their car fixed at your place, aimed at the potential recruit. And so uh, we recruit all the time. I keep recruiting cards in my pocket all the time, and if I observe somebody that manifests really great behavior and I think attitudinally they would fit in at Dave's auto body I'll give them a card and it basically says in there that you know we noticed your attitude congratulations we'd like for you to consider being part of our active potential employee roster in other words we're not offering them a job we're offering them an opportunity to get on a list just in case someday we actually need some talent uh, perfect case in point. I did two interviews Friday. I don't have any openings. I've got an interview today at 1.30. I don't have any openings. But why would I not go ahead and recruit people and build a database and then stay in touch with those same people for a period of time uh, in the event that somebody gets sick or somebody leaves uh, or we grow and need another body? 
Um, one thing I wanted to ask uh, additionally is we mentioned in the piece how you have the, um, I want to talk to you about your marketing a little bit. Um, you know, you talked about the detail for life plan that you have uh, to offer the customers. Uh, so we touched on that. One thing we didn't have space for in the piece was I wanted to ask you about uh, the Dave's Gator sauce that you have at the shop and, um, you know, kind of how that came about and, and how that has uh, been an effective way of reaching the community. So one of the things we do, you know, whether other company masters that we've had now for the past uh, 28 years, um, one of the programs that we do is a, a leadership management and marketing class. We talk a lot about how important marketing is for a body shop and how that most body shops get it wrong. They chase it more from a transactional standpoint. We chase it from more of a relational standpoint. And by that, I mean, um, it's not a secret that the buying cycle for collision repair is a pretty wide cycle. In other words, every depending on whose statistics you believe, every seven to 10 years, you might see a customer on average, statistically speaking. So we know it's impossible to build a relationship with anybody you only see once every seven to 10 years. So what we try to do is we try to create engagement and re-engagement devices that gets people to engage in our organization, or if they've done business with us, re-engage in our organization, get them to walk through the door, get them to understand um, you know, that we look different and that we behave differently than the average body shop that they may encounter. So um, the Dave's Gator sauce that you mentioned, that was just a, a brainchild, really, of somebody else a number of years ago. I just took it and expanded it into a, a you know, th there was a guy down in Louisiana that had some sauce and he would just tape his business card to sauce and hand it out. And he said those business cards, you know, people would see his logo. <clears throat> All we did is just professionalize it, uh, label it, distribute it to restaurants throughout a couple of county area. And so the very worst thing that happens, uh, people see your logo on a restaurant table or a bar table. Okay. They may or may not like the sauce, but in marketing terms, that's called a purple cow. It's something that doesn't really fit it in brain terms. It shocks the broker. Like why would a body shop have a sauce? They may not even like the sauce, but you've got that visual impression. If they like the sauce and they want it, there's only one place they can get it. They've got to come to Dave's auto body and walk through the door and it's free. We don't charge anybody for it. So that's another aspect of the marketing where, again, it makes an impression because you're giving away free sauce. And we gave away, last year we gave away over 5,000 bottles of Dave's Gator sauce. And a significant number of those people walked through our door asking for another bottle of Dave's Gator sauce. So back to the buying cycle, if I can get people to walk through my door for a 2 or $3 investment and get to know my people, that's important because another statistic we learned when doing research for the master's marketing class was that the average, uh, the, the biggest thing that will create a factor called uplift factor of your business is if I know someone who works there. And so um, we all like to go places where we are known or if we know someone, we're more comfortable with that. So what a better way to get to know people in a non-transactional way when they don't really need your service they're coming in, they're getting to know your staff, they, they're comfortable walking in your facility, you'll immediately become top of the mind if they've walked in for that. You mentioned the uh, Detail for Life program. I have a registered worldwide trademark on that. Basically, we clean up your car four times a year for free for as long as you own your car after you've had an accident that's $3,000 or greater. Now, that may sound really expensive, and, it, and you do have to have infrastructure and you know, some stability to be able to do this. 
But that customer, when they first come in, is what we call a need-based customer. They didn't want to be here. They had a wreck. It's embarrassing. It's expensive. It's aggravating. But when they start coming back to redeem their detail for life, they have now become a want-based customer. They actually want to have their car cleaned up, and it's a completely different dynamic you have with that customer. So again, it's re-engagement. They come back in. They have a cup of coffee. We do a while-you-wait detail for them. And uh, we solidify that relationship. So we have that and many other things that we do to continually engage and re-engage customers at a non-transactional level. Absolutely. Um, so we've covered a lot of the reasons why, but um, I guess kind of just as some final words, you know, uh, to anyone listening out there, any advice that you have, words of wisdom that you've learned about, you know, uh, why you've built a business that's befitting of the best workplaces award and, you know, what advice you give to other owners? So the in our master's body shop management essentials class, probably the most popular and impactful part of the program is on is on human resources personnel. And it focuses on recruiting, uh, retaining and motivating or inspiring people. And uh, we sort of crescendo to this point. And it is this. It's easy to say communication is important. Everybody would agree with that. But very few companies have a formal means of communication with their employees. And so one of the things that I feel like has worked out very well for me is for the last 30 plus years I've been doing this. Every three months, every quarter, I sit down with every single employee face to face and discuss with them some important things. The first thing we talk about every single quarter is what are our values? Our values are from my book, Liquid Amalgam, and it's honesty, excellence, accommodation, and profitability. We talk about those values, not just to memorize them by rote, but how do they affect your decision making? The second question we ask every single time, every quarter with every employee is, how do you feel about your level of compensation? We proactively discuss compensation with employees so that they don't become dissatisfied and start looking or pricing elsewhere. And I feel like that proactive approach every three months is very important. Now, at some point in time, we have other questions. You know, we'll talk about something going on in the shop or a particular point of interest that we have or if they have any particular concerns. But I believe that transparent, proactive communication, if there's a single claim to fame for Dave's Auto Body, Galesburg, Illinois, it's that quarterly company employee reviews where we proactively communicate with our employees. Some great words of advice there to, to end on. Dave Dunn, Dave's Auto Body of Galesburg, Illinois, our large shop winner of the 2023 Best Workplaces Award. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity.